From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed basement with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Don Jeffrey stays with us this hour. His 2019 magnum opus, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, 1776 to 1963, has been updated now available in paperback. And uh, Don has been researching the JFK assassination since the mid-70s. He was a a teenage volunteer for Mark Lane's Citizens Committee of Inquiry. And um, his uh, first book, the the, work of fiction called The Unreals, has been compared to Alice in Wonderland and The Wizard of Oz. That came out in 2007. Since then, he's written, uh, written Hidden History, Survival of the Richest, Bullyocracy, and Crimes and Cover-Ups, as I mentioned. Hidden History 3 coming out, um, we hope, soon. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk about what's happening right now again with, uh, with COVID and the lockdowns. And you mentioned Australia, which could be our future. Uh, here in Canada, I don't know if you've been following what's happening here. I think we're maybe a little bit further along even towards becoming Australia <laughs> Uh, as of the end of November, you will not be able to get on a plane or a train uh, or travel anywhere inside of Canada or even leave the country yeah. if you're not vaccinated. Where is the U.S. now with that? Is there going to be a mandate preventing the unvaccinated from flying? Well, not yet, but I think it's coming, and I think uh, there's a huge push. And, uh, you know, you, you guys in Canada are – and, again, I think this is a, a left and right thing with the new left. Again, I don't consider the kind of left and, that rules in Canada now, certainly not the woke Democrats here. That's not my left. That's not a civil libertarian left, a classical liberal left. This is an authoritarian left. This is a left that punishes. It looks to do punitive things against its political opponents. And I think this is all based on that. You won't get vaccinated. We want you to. And it just comes down to that. You're not listening to what I say. You're not obeying our orders like a strict teacher. I'm going to give you a a failing grade. As Don Lemon says, you know, you you, you don't have to do it. You just won't be able to eat or work. That's part of the cancel culture as well. So I think we're very close to that. And Again, going back to history, you look at the Jim Crow laws that were passed, again, as a, as a, as a recoil, a retaliation of a very wounded South. The KKK was born, first of all, as a defense mechanism, later turned into something really ugly. The same thing with the Jim Crow laws. They were passed punitive measures against the occupation, and you had real racism for 100 years until the Civil Rights Movement. And the South had these separate bathrooms, separate restrooms, separate drinking fountains. And I've used that analogy many times that I can easily see separate restrooms for the unvaccinated. You already have separate seating arrangements at stadiums and places where they allow the unvaccinated in. And sooner or later, that's probably not going to happen. So I think we're very close to an apartheid situation where the unvaccinated, if they can't force all of us to do it, to get vaccinated, they may just say, well, you know what, you're going to be second, third class citizens. You're not going to be able to have the same rights that, you know, and I don't think any of them have too many rights anymore because they've infringed on them so much. But whatever's left of our civil liberties, you're not going to enjoy. And of course, you're going to be canceled from almost every job because they're going to say, no, you can't. I mean, look, look at uh, you know, what's happened in the hospitals where you have healthcare workers that have been f- fired. They're already supposedly short-staffed, but because they, they, and what does that tell you? That they don't want to get this thing. 
So yeah, I think we're very close to there. They may, they may, but I certainly, but Joe Biden and the woke Democrats talk about it all the time, and they want this very much. And again, what the worst part, Richard, is that we do not have any opposition, and we have from the very beginning. There was no opposition to the lockdown, the unconstitutional lockdown, the unprecedented lockdown. Same here. Not a single one. If we look at it historically. You can see how dangerous it is. I mean, do we were, and it would be ironic, but the left is not going to see that irony. Like I said, I, I don't think they would blink in putting up unvaccinated only signs on restrooms. I mean, nobody drinks out of drinking fountains anymore. They don't, nobody rides buses too much, so they could maybe, but they'd put us in the back of the bus, maybe. Look what you've already seen. Even before this happened, the left was so deluded. And I, I commented at the time where you had, you know, I'm, I'm no fan of Sarah Huckabee Sanders or Ted Cruz. But both of them were hounded out of restaurants simply because they were Republicans who supported Trump or whatever. And in the case of uh, – I think it was Sarah Huckabee. She was actually thrown out of the restaurant by the restaurant owner. Now, the entire civil rights movement was based on the fact that you know, it wasn't right to uh, you know, not allow certain people, certain kinds of people – to not eat in your restaurant. I mean, wasn't that what the lunchroom, you know, demonstrated sit in at, at the lunchroom counters were? And again, the left doesn't even seem to realize how close they are to this. And recently you had a situation like that where it was a black family that weren't vaccinated in, uh, I think it was in an Italian restaurant somewhere. I'm not sure what city it was, but there's a big tape of it that went, got a lot of attention where, and the guy was very vocal, you know, the black guy. And he started bringing up, hey, so you're not going to let black people eat. And he, he tried to, you know, make a visual of, you know, is this what you want to do? Just bring back memories. And the crowd there, you know, they were just, yeah, that's right. You know, and he said, is this what you want? And you could hear them saying, yeah. So this is the problem that until there is effective and we have no leadership here and there never has been. I mean, you know, Tucker Carlson, people like that, a few handful of Republicans. But there were no business leaders at the beginning. When they shut down all the small businesses, where was the Chamber of Commerce? Where were all the corporate leaders whose lives are built on making profits, supposedly? Why didn't they protest? I didn't see any of them protest. Now, of course, I guess they got stimulus funds or something. The sports leagues didn't protest. The Hollywood moguls didn't protest. Having their industries you know, impacted like that, no one did. When you look at the, the way the logic just completely dissolves, so for example, our sporting facilities, Major League Sports up here in Canada, they've now lifted restrictions so you can have 30,000 people at a baseball game. Yeah. Now, they have to be vaccinated, but we now know, of course, that the vaccinated can spread COVID and they can become <laughs> infected. So you have 30,000 people with the roof closed sometimes with the Rogers Stadium. It's got a dome. So you have 30,000 people indoors not wearing masks, sitting side by side, but because they're vaccinated, and yet you have restaurants that have capacity limits. You have orders in certain provinces where you can't have more than 10 people over. The logic completely dissolves. So then the question is, obviously, this isn't you know about health. So what are these vaccine mandates all about? Is it a loyalty test? Is it rewarding the compliant and punishing the defiant, the refuseniks? There's never been any logic. There's never been any science. I mean, the, the entire time, as I, I tried to point out at the beginning, when we first started going to restaurants, and you wore your mask to go into the restaurant, but as soon as you got to your table, you could take it off. And I kept trying to say, what, what is the science there? Explain that science to me. The virus is dangerous around the doorway, but it can't get you at the table. Or uh, the curfews. So the virus is dangerous after a particular time. I mean, what's the science here? And then everywhere you go, you see these plexiglass things in the post office, stores, and there's an opening at the bottom. There's openings on the side, at the top. 
what kind of virus is – I mean, it, just think, people. I mean, this is – you know, it's ridiculous. But again, nobody is thinking. They don't understand the six-foot social distancing thing. It was based on a middle school girl science project many years ago. That's where that science comes from. It's not based on anything. The saddest thing, you know, is that we had the kind of family divisions we had in the Civil War are nothing compared to what's happening now. I'm seeing it in my own family because I'm not going to get vaccinated. I didn't go to a family wedding last month, and neither did my kids who aren't vaccinated. And that's sad. And there's another one coming up, I don't know when, next year or something. Odds are I won't be going to that too. I don't know when we'll have family get-togethers anymore because I'm not going to get vaccinated. Again, the whole thing, I was talking about this on a show earlier tonight that – I don't tell anyone not to get vaccinated. I mean, I think there's a lot of questions about it. And and the reason I don't get vaccinated is because I fear the vaccine a lot more than I fear whatever COVID is. So I'm making, you know, just an educated choice on that. But I should be able to make that choice. You can make any choice. If you want to get a booster every week, I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to cancel you. I'm not going to not talk to you and say you can't come to the family gathering or, uh, you know, I, I, I don't love you anymore. You're dangerous, the kind of stuff that I hear. But this is the problem, is that crazy, woke left side. And that's where the mentality is. Those are the people that are doing this. They're the ones that they won't accept that you have a choice. They're pro-choice on abortion and nothing else. <laughs> Other than that, they don't want any choice. But they don't want you to have a choice. I I'll let you have your choice. I don't care. You want to get the vaccine? More power to you. You make that choice. It's fine. But that's the problem is that our side doesn't try to cancel people. The people that are civil libertarians, we're not going to cancel anybody. We're not going to demand somebody be fired because they got a vaccine or because of something they said that offended you. I don't care what you say. You have freedom of speech. But that's this cancel culture. And this is really just an extension of that, where instead of canceling you for something you said, or something you believe, canceling you for your beliefs, now they're canceling you because you won't get this jab. And whatever you want to call it, label it. It's, it's a totalitarian type of thought, but it's authoritarianism on steroids, and it's incompatible with a free country. Well, the other interesting thing is the way now people have taken rights, personal liberties, and now it's about, I have a right to feel free from risk. Yeah, right, so. Right. I mean, how did we get to that point where, I mean, people don't have a right. There's no God-given right to feel free from risk. Right. That's like saying, I have, I have a right not to be struck by an asteroid. I mean, there are <laughs> random things that right. happen. It's part of reality. It's part of the package when you're born that there are tragedies and there are random things that happen. And I would say that, a, you know, a respiratory virus, a pandemic – Putting aside the whole, you know, origin theory is who, you know, was it created in a lab? Was it allowed to escape? Was it an accident or whatever? But pandemics are random events. You don't have a right. Nobody has a right to feel to feel anything. Right. You don't have a right to feel something. Exactly, and of course, it's been weaponized. And what we're experiencing now is the medical tyranny. So, in addition to the other tyranny, the political tyranny we have now, where this is being presented again, as someone who worked in the medical industrial complex my entire life mostly in IT, but until I was fired unfairly for helping out a handicapped coworker a few years ago, I've seen it inside out. I've always thought it was corrupt. We have the worst medical care system in the world. I'm sorry. And if you, you don't believe that, you haven't experienced very much of it. So to me, these are horrible people at every level, by and large. 
And they're the ones who are running this narrative, whatever it is. So we're listening to them more than we're listening to the politicians. Somebody like Dr. Fauci, who, again, if you know his history, I'm writing a little bit about in, in Hidden History 3. Fauci is responsible for who knows how many thousands of primarily gay people dying of AIDS back in the 80s, because back then he was doing the same thing he's doing now. He was using phony tests. These were tests for HIV, which, again, a lot of these things were even unproven. People that were healthy people, but especially in the gay community, there would be tremendous fear. They would go get tested for HIV, and they would be HIV positive. Oh, my God. Well, we better give you AZT. This was a rejected cancer chemotherapy drug. You know how dangerous a lot of chemotherapy drugs are. How bad could that have been that they rejected it? So this is what people with AIDS took. And guess what? They got sick after they started taking it. And once they finally stopped putting AZT out there, what happened to AIDS? So it, it became something that South Park could make a joke about it. They had an episode where it, that it was insignificant. But how many people died in the meantime? And Fauci was in the middle of that. He was the one pushing AZT. And Fauci was also the one that pushed for the 1986 vaccine, basically the Immunity from Prosecution Act. So that basically in 1986, they made the vaccine makers virtually immune from any kind of lawsuit against it. And that Fauci, so this is the leader of this that the media and the celebrities are lauding as some kind of great hero. Speaking of uh, that whole discussion about you know AIDS, what happened to Chris Rock? I mean, he was talking about exactly what, that was part of his routine. It wasn't funny. He just went on these almost like these Lenny Bruce type rants mm-hmm. talking exactly like you were just talking. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, I got doubly vaxxed. I still got COVID. It was horrible. So you should get doubly vaxxed. <laughs> what happened to Chris Rock? Yeah, well, I guess somebody gave him a talking to. I mean, you know, I think it takes a lot of courage to stand up under fire. That's why I, my hat goes off. I'm not a fan of her music, but Nicki Minaj was very courageous. I agree. I agree. To tweet out. So let's, let's hope that more people can do that. You're seeing that in the NBA basketball players, too. The black community is, by and large, suspicious of this. They have every reason to be. So let's hope we can get enough angry blacks to make them pay attention. And I, Because I, of right the Tuskegee, now, yeah, the Tuskegee yes, syphilis yes. experiments. Yeah, I mean, we, there is a long history of the medical establishment participating in horrible experiments. In Crimes and Cover-Ups, the book has a whole timeline of these horrible things that our government, our military, and our intelligence agencies did throughout the 20th century. And it wasn't just Tuskegee, and it wasn't just black people, but they concentrated on the most vulnerable. They did a lot of horrible things to orphans, to uh, mental patients. And to prisoners. And they sprayed terrible diseases on whole communities. This is stuff our government did throughout the 20th century. That's why the biggest joke of all is to think that they care about your health. To think that our government cares about our health is absolutely ridiculous. You know, there's great, many great memes going around. But one of my favorite ones is the one, if they cared about our health, why don't we have free chemotherapy and free insulin? And I think that's a good question to ask. Obviously, there are people that are dying because they can't afford that or they can't uh, afford health care, but they're going to have you believe that they care about your health. No, that there's, you ought to be suspicious of it just because they're trying so hard to get you to take it. It's like the old Twilight Zone episode. Don't go on the ship. I'm not going on the ship. <laughs> I can tell you that. There's some suggestion, and I think it makes sense. I mean, they talked about herd immunity, which I hate that idea, like we're part of a herd. That's exactly the way they look at us, right? We're cattle, yes. Yes. part of the herd. But they said, okay, if we get to 70% or 75% with the vaccination rates, we'll have herd immunity. 
Now, all of a sudden, Joe Biden and up here and our leaders are saying 97 percent. They don't want to say 100 percent, but 97 percent equals 100 percent. So now the thinking is, and I think there's some justification for this. I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. They want to get rid of the control group. They need everybody to be vaccinated, 100 percent vaccination. So if things, when things go start to go south, and I'm talking about, you know, the adverse reactions, there'll be no control group to compare. Oh, yeah, know. that's exactly right. Because if we have uh, in America, there's still probably about 100 million of us that haven't gotten vaccinated. So a huge, substantial, maybe a third of the population. So, yeah, you're right. I don't theorize. So a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, millions of people are going to die from the vaccines. And, and I don't, first of all, I, I think it's foolish to make those kinds of predictions. I agree. I agree. They almost never come true. And certainly we hope that doesn't happen. But if something like that is even possible, feasible, then yeah, they'd have every reason. They don't want to leave 100 to make it obvious if, hey, where did everybody go? And the only one left were the unvaccinated. I mean, I guess we were right, huh? And I think beyond the conspiratorial level here, human nature kicks in. And I just on a personal level and just politically, people don't want to admit they're wrong. And this has become so emotional. All the people that have called me dangerous, you know, just I, I know that. They are never going to admit that the crazy conspiracy theorists were right. They're so vested in this. They were so gullible. They, and, you know, we told them they were gullible. We told them you shouldn't be doing this. Why are you doing this? this? Is unscientific. Why are you driving around your car with a mask on? Where's the science there? They know they're foolish, but they're wrapping it in itself that somehow they're protecting themselves from us because we're going to die because we're unvaccinated. So if that doesn't happen, and eventually. They can see the light. They're still never going to admit it because, you know, people, how many people do you know that can just say, hey, you know what? You were right. I'm sorry I was wrong. I mean, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's difficult. It's very difficult. It's, especially when it's an emotional issue like this and uh, there's so much vested in it. And, you know, family members that broke up over Trump, uh, there's a lot more that are breaking up over this. And it's sad, but a lot of it is beyond because, you know, people that are that are buying into this are not conspirators. They're not part of anything. Uh, no, there's a just, real mania. It's a mania. Yes. I see on, on social media where someone will say, well, my wife and I were just told that as of November, whatever the mandate date is, because we're not vaccinated, we're being terminated. And uh, instead of an outpouring of, you know, I'm sorry, how can we help? There's these cheerleaders. Yeah. We're actually saying, good, I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad you're being hurt. I'm glad you can no longer afford to put food on the table and your children will suffer. I've right. never seen such a mean-spiritedness. I don't know what yeah. they're putting in those jabs, but you know they're turning a lot of people into PRs, I'll tell you that much. We're going to take another time out here. Don Jeffries stays with us. Crimes and cover-ups in American politics. Uh, the updated paperback edition now available. Back with uh, more of our conversation and your questions and comments right after these. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right. So let's uh, begin with the uh, YouTube live chat. Roger Vega asks, Don, do you see a continuum of history of the deep state who took out JFK and now took Trump out via massive vote fraud? Well, I think the continuum of history goes back farther. That's what Crimes and Cover-Ups was basically a prequel to that you know, hidden history where I started with the JFK assassination. Yeah, the continuum of history is very important, and I think – my work just basically represents a, a timeline, and I call it a timeline of organized corruption. 
And uh, it's basically that's why people tell me, you know, you think everything's a conspiracy. Well, yeah, I do, because I think we're being run by conspirators. And this is what they do. They conspire. They don't know any other way to do. This is the way they do business. They don't know any other way to act. So, uh, yeah, of course, they when people get in their way, and I'll, I have ambivalent feelings about Trump. I, I've written a lot about it. I voted for him, but it was great on Twitter. His rhetoric was great, but unfortunately, I think he didn't follow through. And because he didn't follow through, I think that's the main reason we are in such a horrible situation. And also, he failed to recruit or people failed to be recruited by the Republican Party, which is, is horrible as an institution. And they never wanted him to begin with, but there was no other – a bunch of – other than maybe Marjorie Taylor Greene that got elected. None of the other Republicans were elected basically as real Trumpsters that you know were running on his rhetoric. And because of that, once he was gone, you see what's there today. You have a bunch of rhinos that have always been there, and then you have a handful of decent – representatives in Congress. But uh, yeah, I think you could look at, uh, for whatever reason, the people that got rid of JFK, you could say, if, if to whatever, whatever degree Trump was sincere, certainly if, if he was really going to do any of the things, he was going to close the border and do something about immigration, really build the infrastructure, really bring the troops home, really drain the swamp, that of course the swamp was going to be opposed to him. So yeah, there is a continuation. And anybody, you know, going back to Huey Long and John F. Kennedy, RFK, MLK, these people are eliminated, unfortunately. And uh, if they're not killed, they're whistleblowers like Julian Assange and Edward Snowden and Chelsea Manning that remain not free at large. Is that how it's done now? They don't need to assassinate somebody. Yeah, yeah. They have the media. They have all the political and cultural institutions that can be focused like a laser beam on someone who steps out of line who doesn't follow the narrative. So it's not about actual assassination. It's about, well, political assassination. Absolutely. And you you see it even people who aren't that controversial. I mean, my friend Cynthia McKinney was was run out of Congress, uh, you know, but that was several years ago. Dennis Kucinich, he'll never hold elective office again. But you have people like Tulsi Gabbard who really – was a really much more like an old-fashioned Democrat, the party that I was affiliated with for a long time when I first started getting into politics. I was a Democrat. I thought they were the good guys. Tulsi Gabbard was really good on many issues, and she'll never hold political office again as a Democrat anyhow. They completely weed out anybody, especially in the Democratic Party. I I don't think there is a single Democrat that's even (laughs) remotely reasonable now at all. Well, I think Joe Manchin – I guess, yeah. maybe in the Senate and the Arizona yeah. senator. Yeah, they're the only ones that are like halfway. But I mean, I, I don't know how good they are, but they're just maybe not quite deranged with a full-on woke thing. And they're fighting that to some degree. But that's the best we can hope for now. But there's nobody like the kind of Democrats that I revered in my youth. There's not a single one there. And there are only a, you know, a handful of Republicans that are pretty good on most things. But a lot of them are under fire themselves. Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to be a one turn. There's no way the Republican Party will let her back in. I don't know how she slipped through this time. Matt Gates is under fire with you know a scandal that I think is probably politically motivated. So you know you're probably going to have even fewer of them. So I don't think we can look at political answers. That's why I'm concentrating my hope, such as it exists, at the lower levels because I think these school boards and the parents that are angry that have been called domestic terrorists now, I think that may be where we might be able to chip away if they can get some of those tyrannical, and they are tyrannical even at that level. That's what shows how bad the corruption is. Because school boards are pretty low, far down the chain. But if you look at the way these petty tyrants, one of the parents called them that and hit it, the nail on the head, the way they're acting, when these parents had the audacity 
to question the curriculum that they're exposing their children to and that their tax dollars pay for, it shows you just how systemic this corruption is and how deep it is. But maybe because it's at the bottom, we might be able to make some inroads there and you might be able to work your way up. But you certainly can't do anything at the top. Congress is lost. And after the 2020 election, I don't know why anybody would vote because they're certainly not counting the votes, honestly. MG asks, is it true that interstate travel will be banned for the unvaccinated? Well, again, that's one of the rumors that might happen. Again, it hasn't happened yet, but I was reading a headline about one of the airlines that canceled a bunch of flights today. I can't keep up with it. I've never been a great traveler, so now I kind of have an excuse not to travel, I guess. But uh, I certainly don't like being confined if I wanted to travel. But it's scary, but I, I think, again, it's trending in that direction. And again, the problem is that everybody in power wants this. And it's only the millions of people opposing it and the few people that have any kind of public form, Tucker Carlson, a handful of Republicans in, in, you know, in, in the House mainly, that can possibly stop it. And, of course, platforms like this. This is where we can talk about this stuff. I, I, you know, we couldn't go on any television station. And I mean, certainly, if I just started mouthing off with my radical rhetoric, I, I would last like 15 seconds. You know? But uh, I don't know how long we'll be able to do this type of yeah. programming because now that the liberals, they want a, a minority. They're going to reintroduce some pieces of legislation which will severely curtail freedom of expression on the Internet. You'll have to have a license. Yeah. You could have to have a license for a website. Again, it's almost like the sedition laws. If you're aggressively, you know, going after or criticizing members of parliament, that could be considered hate speech. So, um, yeah, it's very dark days up here. Let's see. Show me the truth, 74. All right. I've heard just about all of the theories about JFK. This one's pretty out there. But, however, show me the truth, 74 asks, I saw a video proposing Jackie O shot JFK. I've been intrigued with the idea. Do you think Jackie had a gun in her purse? I'm sure you've heard that. That's <laughs> yeah. No, I, I actually, actually, I don't just you know. There's not too many conspiracy theories that I, I discount immediately. But I've studied this for a very long time, and no, I, I don't think that because again, that would suppose that she wanted to kill him. But you know, this was a conspiracy, and the, I don't think the government would get involved in cover up because Jackie killed JFK. Right, right, yeah, that's right up there with the uh, the limo driver shooting. Yes, him yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, let's get back to um, these mandates and so forth. So, as of the end of November here in Canada, if you're unvaccinated, you won't be allowed to leave the country. I mean, the same people that are cheering this on and saying, "Yes, it's about time, punish them, punish them." With the same people that were, in many cases, opposed to the idea of, let's say, building a wall on your southern border to keep right. people out, drug gangs, human smugglers, other criminals, or just, you know, illegals who were driving down wages for the people at the lower end of the economic ladder. So it's not okay to build a wall to keep people out, but it's okay to basically effectively build a wall to keep your own people in. I mean... <laughs> The hypocrisy and the logic is just – it leaves me dumbfounded, Don. Well, yeah, I think uh, one of the conservatives says if they, it wasn't for double standards, uh, liberals – again, the liberals – and I hate using that word because that's what I am. But uh, what passes for liberals today have, would have no standards at all. Yeah, the hypocrisy is everywhere. But this is the party that if you go back and look at, for instance, the communists, you know, the, the people they were calling commies and fellow travelers and reds, they had the same names they make up for the right today that they used for the left in the 50s. But a lot of those so-called communist organizations were like the Free Speech Project, 
a lot of them centered around free speech would be in the name of the group. Because, as you mentioned, the ACLU, the ACLU was thought to be a Marxist organization, maybe because they were so far left, but they were concerned with free speech. Now, were they only concerned because they were pushing the envelope from the far left? I don't know. But, I mean, the ACLU, I do know that in the 1970s, a Jewish lawyer for the ACLU was profiling courage because he's the one who uh, represented genuine Nazis. Now, these aren't people that, you know, the left is just calling Nazis because they disagree with them. No, these these were genuine scum of the earth Nazis. Yeah, I mean, these are people, they're calling themselves Nazis. They're wearing Nazi uniforms and Heil Hitlering and all that. And of course, they were provocational. What was the point of going through a largely Jewish area and marching? Obviously, to get a reaction. They weren't going to get any converts there. I, I doubt very seriously the Jewish people were going to say, oh, yeah, we, we like these Nazis. You know, we're going, to, we're going to become Nazis. So this was clearly they were provoking them. But even in a case like that, as extreme as you can get, the Jewish lawyer and the ACLU defended their right to do it. And they defended that. That was the 1970s. Can you imagine? I mean, the ACLU of the day would just blanch at that. That's their history. But that's how far we've gone in less than 50 years that's the ACLU that I liked, and I was a member of when I was very young, card-carrying member briefly. But I love that idea that, you know, I may really hate you. I mean, as much as I, you know, have studied the JFK assassination, there was a, a lone Nutter League, a group that, you know, believed Oswald did it against all the evidence. I would still defend their right to exist, even though I've really opposed what you're saying. That's the idea, because free speech means nothing. If you don't support the ideas that you disagree with, otherwise we're just preaching to each other and preaching to the choir. Exactly. Don, got to take another time out. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show, Don Jeffries, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics. Back with more in a moment. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Don Jeffrey stays with us. Crimes and cover-ups in American politics, 1776 to 1963. Updated paperback edition now available. Um, how do we uh, get to your website, Don, and read your blog? My blog can still be uh, accessed at donaldjeffries.news, I think. Donaldjeffries.news and my Substack writings, which I write regularly for. They're now on Substack. is a great free speech platform. They don't censor, and I think everybody should support it. You want to support me, you can go to donaldjeffries.media. So donaldjeffries.news and donaldjeffries.media. You'll find lots of my rantings and writings at those places. And uh, I do want to mention also my book on showbiz, on borrowed fame. That should be out uh, around the beginning of November, so look for that. That's a little bit of a departure for me, but again, I write about it the same way I do everything else. I'm looking at unfairness and corruption and hopefully uh, interesting subject matter. All right, yes, we're going to get you on uh, Coast to Coast towards the end of November for that book. And just a reminder that you're going to be guest hosting this program on the 24th of October. Uh, Janet Phelan will be uh, scheduled in hour one. What do you think about the idea of building a parallel society, not just because of COVID? I mean, now you have, for example, parents who want to pull their kids out of school because they don't want their child wearing a mask all day. They don't want their child vaccinated. So now they're homeschooling. Now you've got teachers that are being fired because they don't want to go along with the mandate. So now they're being welcomed into the homeschooling movement because, you know, parents are pooling resources and maybe they're forming co-ops. So we're starting to see 
the beginnings of this parallel society happening. Much of it was kind of foisted on us because of COVID. But just in general, because of the strain in terms of you know these disparate values you've got on the extreme left and then you've got, again, the classical liberals. Is it time we start seriously thinking about just building a parallel society? Well, I think we'd all be happier if that was the case. But again, I think it goes back to what I said. We don't have any shared values, any foundational principles. So, yeah, how do you live? I mean, if you – my kids are grown, but you know, if they were going to be subjected to critical race theory or uh, transgender story hour, mask mandates when they're little and they have no nothing to fear from COVID at that age at all, yeah, I would be one of those parents yelling down there too. But it's got to be beyond frustrating to the people whose salaries you pay, whose taxes you pay for these schools, and they're not listening to you. Instead, they want to demonize you and say you don't have that right, and they want to call you domestic terrorists. Yeah, I think we've reached the height of lunacy there, and. We look at things differently. And again, I'm not, I would be living, I guess, in the conservative area, even though I really am not a conservative. But I believe in free speech. And alone, I'd have to go where free speech would be, where I wouldn't have to fear being fired for what I said. But the people that want to live like that, fine, do it. But unfortunately, I think, you know, we've been through this before because that was basically on a not that esoteric of a level, but the Civil War was based on that premise. The Southern states seceded because they no longer wanted to be together with that government and the people that believed in it, it wasn't anything as deep as it is now. Philosophically, we have tremendous differences. The, the, you know, the, the division is great in this country. I mean, we don't agree on at what point human life begins. We don't agree on what point it ends. I mean, we've had these moral battles for years, but actually we pull the plug on people. Things like that where we don't agree on basic – we don't agree whether on God. And we don't agree on the basic foundations – of America, and that is that people have a right to free speech, a right to assembly, a right to speak their mind, a right to protest, assemble and protest, and a right to bear arms. And a right to uh, bodily autonomy. Right, a right to bodily autonomy. My body, my choice. That only seems to apply with abortion. It doesn't apply over here. And that We need to try to use their own argument against them. My body, my choice. I say that all the time. But, you know, again, the, the hypocrisy of the woke left is just stunning. There, there's, there's no consistency at all, and they just, you know, they just give you a blank look, or they just, they just, you know, tighten the screws harder when you point out their hypocrisy. And so it's, it's scary. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't like being under. It's, it's like we're all collectively, we've all had, you know, kind of a tyrannical boss. Somebody we go in and we got, God, we really fear. You know, he's watching everything you do, and you're afraid you're going to screw up and you're going to get in big trouble. Because you're nervous. You're not doing as good a job. Uh, that's what we're collectively becoming. In America, we have, we have collectively a tyrannical boss that is, uh, that is really looking at everything we're doing and everything we're saying. And this entire cancel culture, and this was before you throw this entire COVID narrative into it. When you do that and you, you throw the unvaccinated so you become you – know, you already were you – know, we're outside the lines with, uh, you know, saying uh, opinions that uh, went counter to the, the woke culture. But now you're refusing to get the vaccine, which is the, what they're basing everything on now. They're concentrating all their efforts on making you get that shot. Uh, then it becomes really uncomfortable. And it's, it's, it's not a good place to be right now, America is. And I, I, don't, I don't know what the end game is here, but the future, as I said, looks very bleak. I, I don't. I don't see any hope. I don't see any white hats out there. And I don't know, short of getting together in the millions 
in a show of force. And you know that's not going to happen in America. You can't draw 100 people anywhere. Uh, that's about the only way we can do it because we obviously really outnumber them. But it's just like Orwell's proles. Orwell talked about that in 1984. You know, the proles greatly outnumbered the inner party, but they couldn't come together. They were constantly arguing and bicking with each other. And that's why the conversation I had with Cynthia McKinney was so great because she sees that. She wants to, you know, said, I want to talk to white nationalists. She recognizes that a lot of disparate groups have uh, a lot of common interest, and we all have that common enemy. And that's what I talked about in Survival of the Richest. They fear the whites and the blacks and Hispanics and all the people joining hands together that are being oppressed under this rigged system and looking at them. But instead, they manage to constantly get us distracted and get us pointing fingers at each other's and fighting with each other's and making it to be that we are the enemy to various groups instead of looking at the common enemy that is oppressing us all, that is controlling this rigged system. Don, one final timeout, and uh, we'll finish up with some a flurry of fast uh, comments and questions from the YouTube live chat. Don Jeffries, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, updated paperback edition. Stay with us. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. All right, let's go back to the YouTube live chat. Questions for Don Jeffries. Joe Michaels asks, what do you think of states seceding, uh, seceding from the union? Is that? Well, I don't think that's constitutionally possible, is it? Well, I think uh, I think that was settled, unfortunately, in, in the 1860s. I think the Civil War settled that, that uh, there is talk of secession. We hear Texas, Florida, things like that. But you know, I, I think that's the answer, really. I think that we, we do because we're not the same country. But I, I just – I don't think – we saw what happened last time when states tried that. So I, I think these same tyrannical forces that are, are much more powerful now – than they were in 1860. So unfortunately, I, I, I think that would have a very small chance of succeeding. Right. I think there is a mechanism. So, for example, you may have you have all of these conservative counties in uh, in rural California that, uh, you know, they would like to, to secede. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may not be able to form their own state. Um or but or they maybe they could join with a, a neighboring state. So, um you know, West Virginia, for example, was carved yes. out of Virginia. Yep. Um, you could have something like that, that type of a situation. But I don't think you could have a state actually, you know, declare independence from yeah. the United States. Uh, St. Michael asks, JFK and Eisenhower talked on numerous occasions. Did Eisenhower influence JFK by proxy or was he just warning him? Great question. Well, I don't know how you know Eisenhower. I don't think personally was a huge fan of JFK, but certainly his uh, warning about the military-industrial complex as he left office was something I'm sure JFK probably took note of. And especially after the Bay of Pigs, which happened as soon as he came into office, it was a rude awakening for JFK. And I think he realized, wow, this isn't going to be so easy. And he started realizing the kind of powers that were there. That he had to contend with, so I think he probably took note of Eisenhower's speech. I don't know if there's any evidence that he, you know, sought Eisenhower's advice or anything like that, but uh, certainly I think he probably uh, could relate to that speech. Anyhow, all right. Uh, Zebra to you asks, uh, Don, have you considered seeking refugee refugee status in Florida? I don't know if he's asking me that or you that. 
uh, either of us, I guess. Well, you're in, um, you're in, in Virginia. Virginia. What's Virginia. the situation? What's the situation? Yep. You've got a yeah. um, well. I live in Northern Virginia, which is right outside of uh, of, of Washington D.C. Uh, we're very uh, blue here, and uh, but again, I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not red. I'm. I guess I'm purple. I don't know what I am. I'm a different color. But uh, yeah, this is not the same. Uh, Virginia is not the same as it was even 20 years ago. It's been transformed tremendously. So I, I don't know about seeking refuge in Florida, but I mean, DeSantis. I have questions about him, but uh, you got to give people credit when they do something right, and I think he's done some some good things with the mass mandates and everything. I, I haven't thought of it, you know, about moving there, but who knows? It's possible, uh, especially if the family f- divisions continue to go further. If I, you know, if I have no real reason to stay around my extended family because uh, I'm become a pariah about being unvaccinated, then yeah, I guess that changes a lot of things. Uh, Roger Vega asks, Don, can you speak to Truman's face-off with Alan Dulles after the JFK hit? Truman essentially called out the CIA as the perpetrator. Is that true? I didn't know that. Uh, I have not heard that. I know Truman uh, Truman did express regrets about forming the CIA, but I, I, you know, I would be surprised at anything like that because Truman was not a fan of JFKs at all. And uh, if you look at the reaction to JFK's assassination, if you look like the video reaction from Truman and Eisenhower, both Winston Churchill, uh, very, I'm not saying disrespectful, but unemotional, let's say. They didn't look really sad. And uh, Truman was like the rest of the Democratic Party, Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, the, the establishment Democratic Party, certainly Lyndon Johnson, before, you know, even when he became LBJ's vice presidential candidate. The establishment and the Democrats, they still hated Joseph P. Kennedy, his father. They didn't trust Kennedy. So uh, Truman never liked Kennedy. And Truman was, a, I think, a 33rd-degree Mason. So odds are he probably wasn't a fan of Catholics. So uh, I think there was probably little prejudices there as well. But I, I've never heard that. So I'd be surprised if, uh, if uh, that was actually the case. I'd love to see the source for that, though. All right. Um, let's see. Do you think vaccines for COVID-19 is a form of population control, Rich and Don? Well, you want to go first with that one? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, again, I, I don't speculate because, I mean, you know, certainly that's it's, – it would be reasonable to speculate that it could be, especially, you know, we, we do know – all I do – I'm not going to predict millions of people are going to die from these vaccines. I certainly hope that doesn't happen. But I do know the CDC's own figures admit that already – Far more people have died from these vaccines than all the other vaccines combined since 1901. That's a fact. That's not a conspiracy theorist. That's the CDC telling you. So uh, I, I don't know how many more will die or what could be in the future. Again, that's predicting. But uh, And we know that they do want to call the herd. They're all eugenicists. They talk about it all the time. They haven't done it, though. So, you know, I, I don't think this is something where they're – but, you know, who? I, I certainly hope it isn't. But uh, I've certainly questioned the numbers so far, but I, I don't know. what's these are, these are pathological psychopaths, and I, who knows what they're thinking. Right. I, just, I, I think it's a profit motive, um, and they, ultimately they don't care, really, as you say. They, it's not about our health. They don't care what happens. It's, it's, it's greed, and, and uh, if, if people are injured or if they die, uh, then so be it. I mean, when you look at what happened in 1976 – with um, the swine flu vi- uh, vaccine, and what were there? Thirty-two was it? Thirty-two people yeah. uh, died, according to the um, uh, estimates. Thirty-two, and they pulled it. They pulled it from the market. 
Yeah. And now, uh, I guess VAERS is up to 16,000 deaths. Now, again, we have to say correlation is not causation. But on the other hand, uh, they say that only about 1% of uh, adverse events, including deaths, are reported. Right. Exactly. So very conservative then. Yeah, that's probably a very conservative figure. How do you reconcile that? 32 people in 1976. I remember Chris yeah. Wall or uh, Mike Wallace was all over that on 60 yes. Minutes, yep. interviewing the, the van- vaccine manufacturers, just grilling yep. them. And again, I think that's and it, you, how do you reconcile that? And I think that's but that's the problem is that because we don't have a free press, and that's the problem about all this. And the reason and my books couldn't have been written if we had a free press and investigative press because they would have exposed all this stuff. There wouldn't be hidden history, but uh, they don't. And they're basically state-controlled mouthpieces. They are state-controlled media. Otherwise, they would ask these questions. They wouldn't be covering it up. They would have exposés on, on you know, how how have there been more deaths? This why this is dangerous. And they would go after you know Trump's bragging about the vaccine. Why, why you know why are you? This is his warp speed vaccine. It was dangerous. We should have never done it. But they're not. They're pushing it and they're covering up. Even questioning this on social media, they're banning people, and they're making it basically a thought crime. To even mention all the deaths that have been that have uh, happened and, and adverse effects, where you know children getting heart attack, heart uh, defects, it's a very real thing. It's happening. It's terrible, and uh, but they're covering it up. They're not reporting it. So, in terms of sort of leaving on a on a hopeful note, if that's possible, we talked <laughs> about we talked about parents rising up at the yes. school board level and pushing back. I mean, not yes. a day goes by where there aren't some viral videos of. Yes. An angry parent yeah. confronting. Um, what else do you see uh, in terms of kind of a grassroots movement to, to well, push back against all of this? Well, I'm I'm pushing. I I, I just call it the angry blacks because uh, you know uh, the identity politics fears. And I talked about this to Cynthia McKinney, who's an angry black herself, and she loved it. You know, I said, you know, the identity politics don't it doesn't handle. Uh, angry blacks very well. You get enough high-profile black people. You got Nicki Minaj. You got some NBA players. You got Louis Farrakhan, who's uh, you know again, you, can, you say what you want about him, but he spoke very rationally, criticizing you know why he said basically why would you let them put anything in you? Talking about I guess yeah. these people. Yeah, and, and, I, have, I can, yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't like to include him in that. I just think he's such an odious character. Well, but. he is, but 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 the thing is, if you, the more loud and angry black people, and that's who all that's protesting this. But if they can, that's why I'm out there supporting it. Is the the vaccine is racist? If we have to do that to get people to question it, that's fine. Because uh, there's reason to question it. People ought to have the choice, and they need to stop demonizing people that won't get it. And hopefully, there's enough. If there are enough angry black people that protest this, and there is a groundswell, ESPN just fired a reporter Sage Steele for questioning it. Uh, so they're canceling them, but enough get there. You get enough black entertainers. Maybe Chris Rock, Rock comes back in the fold. It's possible. I try to search for hope anywhere. I mean, I don't know how much hope there is there, but uh, that's the hope I see. That and the parents, uh, the angry parents at the school board, trying to maybe get some uh, some response. And some control at the bottom levels of this uh, absolutely corrupt system we have here. And uh, in Europe, there's some signs. You know, uh, the president yeah. of Croatia and and a, a number of other uh, Portugal, I think now, and Denmark and Sweden, saying we just have to learn to live with it, and uh, just getting rid of all of the restrictions. Enough of this madness. So there are some hopeful signs over in Europe. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, but much more than here. I mean, you have the, the protests we've seen in France and Germany and England, uh, we haven't seen that here. And even in Canada, up where you are, uh, but not so much in America. I think we've been cowed by the January 6th thing and people I think are scared. They don't want to be imprisoned as political prisoners like uh, the, uh, the people were from the January 6th protests. All right. Don, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, updated paperback edition, Amazon, good bookstores, and uh, you'll be in the air chair in, in two weeks. So Looking thank you to. for this. Thank you, Richard, as always. Appreciate it. All right. My pleasure. Uh, my thanks to uh, Carlos Cagina and Ryan back next week. Micah Hanks will be here on the program. I'll be in Greece, but uh, pre-recording from over there. And uh, in the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. Good night.